catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, Alan. With that said, I have a joke for you. Knock, knock. <laughs> Who's there? No, wait. You're doing the joke. <laughs> okay. What do you call a Japanese cat who listens to the Lakers Legacy podcast and is a huge Lakers fan? Um, sneaky cat. Close. Hello, Liddy. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> and Hello, Liddy is right. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where, SOS, please, someone help me, LA is doing just fine. SOS, please, someone help me, LA is doing just fine. Because they've shut up the strength of schedule gods, that's what SOS stands for, by the way, and they've made it clear that this season, they plan on streaking only one way, and that's the fun way with wins only. The Lakers are 19-3. and They have not lost two games in a row all season. And after losing their composure on Sunday against the Dallas Mavericks and losing for the first time in 11 games, they have started another win streak, this time in most impressive fashion, beating the Denver Nuggets last night, who most considered to be a top three team in the West, and the Utah Jazz tonight on the second night of a back-to-back. NBA hipsters' favorite teams. And woo boy! What a feeling. You gotta love it, because NBA Twitter is crying tonight. And uh, yeah, I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez. Welcome to the Lakers Legacy Podcast. It's lit. What else can you say? I know people hate it when we say that, but get on board. It's lit, okay? Hey, so I'm going to make tonight's episode a quick one. I unfortunately wasn't able to snag Tommy or Alan on such short notice to talk about this insane game against the Utah Jazz, but... You will be hearing from Alan in this episode because he'll be coming in to do the iTunes review reading of the night. And then after my intro segment here, where I kind of just riff about the Lakers' impressive mini stretch these last two nights versus the uh, good teams, Alan will once again join me for a 35 to 40 minute segment where we talk about how transcendent this current squad could potentially be and has been. 
and how they're changing the way that we as Lakers fans view these games on the nightly. So stay tuned for that segment. Um, But yeah, what a fun last two nights for the Lakers. Coming into the Denver game, I'm going to be honest with you, I was a little apprehensive and nervous. I think up until that point, all this time, I've been preaching that the Lakers seem like a team that walks the walk, that doesn't just talk about it. They are about it. Or as LeBron James has been saying, we're not here to talk about it. We're here to be about it. I bought into that. I've been preaching that they're a team that knows how to adjust accordingly. They know how to talk to each other, communicate, and respond. But coming into the Denver game, I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't a little bit nervous uh, as to whether or not they could actually pull it off. And they came into Denver with flu-like symptoms, most of the team at least, and they controlled the game. They made Nikola Jokic look like a mile-high Brad Miller, and they put the clamps down, and they even responded to the Denver Nuggets uh, punching them in the chin a little bit in the third quarter and managed to... Yeah, for the most part, eke out a dominant win against the Denver Nuggets. And then tonight against the Utah Jazz, you can put as many qualifiers you want on this game. There was no Mike Conley. Uh, The Jazz have lost their last four out of five, so they're out of sync. Uh, You can put as many qualifiers as you want. But this was on the second night of a back-to-back on the road, coming from the Mile High City in Denver, playing in Utah, where the Lakers have historically always floundered. I think they haven't won since 2015. The team is was still recovering from whatever flu-like symptoms half the team was experiencing the night before. And they just came in and busted out this dominant performance to the point where the Jazz announcers were despondently saying, the Lakers are just showing off now. They're just joking around and they're just having fun. And to hear that is incredible. It really pumps you up as a Lakers fan. I mean, even just seeing LeBron James, you know, dancing on the sidelines in his socks and sliding around the baseline. I mean, that's super disrespectful to the other fan base and to the opposing team. But as a Lakers fan, you got to love it. You got to enjoy it. Yeah, I think the bench's celebrations tonight said everything for this team. I feel like they feel vindicated. We as Lakers fans should feel vindicated because we finally, not finally, but according to NBA Twitter, we quote-unquote finally won against some good teams. And uh, yeah, you you can't take this away from us tonight. You can't. From Dwight Howard hitting a three-pointer, Kyle Kuzma getting three blocks in a row and then sprinkling in four steals, move aside Anthony Davis, Defensive Player of the Year, Kyle Kuzma's coming for that crown. Uh, Rajon Rondo being one rebound away from a triple-double and leading the team in plus-minus with a plus-25 on the night. Also, he's 7 of 9 from 3 in his last 9 attempts, now shooting around 50% on the season, hitting about 1.5 a game. To Anthony Davis, Defensive Player of the Year, wreaking havoc on back-to-back nights on anyone who waltzes into the paint. His spin move on Dante Exum into that exclamatory dunk on Ed Davis said everything for him. Just a dominant, dominant performance for Anthony Davis these past two nights in spite of the fact that he was feeling under the weather. Meanwhile, LeBron James, the MVP of the season, the MVP for the Lakers, continues to dump dimes on anyone and everyone who's near the basket, celebrating in his socks, slipping and sliding to victory. I mean, we had everything in this Utah Jazz game. We had everything in these last two games against very, very good teams. It's lit. It's fun. The Lakers are the best team in the NBA currently, and you can remove that asterisk that you've been placing on their name. Confidently say it with your chest. The Lakers are the best team in the NBA. With that little preamble out of the way, I'm going to now cut up my solo monologue, and 
allow Alan to come in and uh, he's going to have his cameo role and do the review reading of the night before we get any further with this episode. Okay, Alan, you probably don't know how to do this player, but on the spot, we'll see how good your impression skills are. I'm going to have you channel Rajan Rondo. <laughs> so he, he, huh, has, he okay. has a very like cerebral, someone's going to say cerebral voice, but that doesn't really make sense. But he has a very NPR like voice. So very subtle. So, I mean, you may be able to just speak in your own voice like Tommy does, and he does the greatest impressions doing that. So, so with that said, Rajan Rondo, take it away with the review of the night. Worth the listen. Whoa. <laughs> Five stars. Longtime Uma user. Great pod, with interesting commentary and analysis. I appreciate all the time and effort they put into it. Really keeps me up to date on our Lakers. Dang, dude, how'd you do that? That was like Rondo to the fullest. At first, I thought about doing Rondo when he's calling out things on defense, <laughs> despite the fact that he doesn't play defense, but he has that really shrill, like, hey, hey, like hey. kind of voice. Yeah. yeah, I thought about doing the entire review like that, <clears throat> but uh, no one wants to hear that. So Absolutely. I went with the, the regular, you know, speaking checkers, chess walk out of movies because there's a plot hole and he gets a refund type of uh, intellectual rondo mm, that's what you channeled that was awesome well it definitely came through in your delivery uh so thank you long time oma user do you have any idea what oma stands for i didn't even you know i said uma i don't know what uma <laughs> is or if it's oma <laughs> yeah i don't either but regardless thank you for that five-star review um, glad that you like our interesting commentary and analysis, even though we do these weird impressions. All right, so thank you once again, Alan. Thank you, Rajan Rondo, who almost had a triple-double tonight and has been balling out for the Lakers the last few nights. I think he's been one of the Lakers' top plus-minus leaders in the last few games as well, So, except for that Dallas Mavericks game, obviously. But props to Rajan Rondo. Props to Alan Riley for reading the review. You will hear him soon again in our second segment. But before I get to that second segment, I just wanted to touch upon a few more topics. Um, yeah, I still haven't really come down off my Utah Jazz high. But uh, yeah, so these last two games, as I mentioned earlier, it seems like the Lakers got that monkey off their chest. Uh, now they fully believe that they are a dominant team if they didn't believe that before i'm pretty sure that was just an nba twitter nba media and pundits thing and they really didn't care about any sort of that bs but i could sort of sense from them and, and from lebron james and the sideline that maybe coming into the denver and utah games that they were even questioning okay how good are we the first really good team we faced in the last three weeks the dallas mavericks and we're unable to hold our composure and we pretty much got dominated in the second half against a team that knows what it's doing. So I'm sure they had individual personal questions about how good they actually were coming into the Denver game, but they squashed those doubts really quickly. And I think, yes, now we can stand firm about our identity as the top team in the NBA. And uh, what dominant performances by the Lakers, by Anthony Davis and LeBron James, our leaders these last two games. Some quick hit points that I want to get to. Welcome back to Dwight Howard these last two games as well. His defense has been incredible. I know it's been waning a little bit prior to the Denver game, even during our 10-game win streak. But those ferocious dunks and lobs that Dwight Howard kept catching against the Denver Nuggets were incredible. He looked extremely athletic. Uh, he definitely got up for those dunks. And 
I think pretty much on every lob that he threw down, he let out a primal scream and really yammed those down with power. And yeah, I lived vicariously through Dwight Howard's expression of overwhelming force on those lobs. So props to Dwight Howard, props to him for hitting a three-pointer tonight. Yeah, that rabid Tasmanian devil-like defense and intensity that he's brought these last two games is uh, sort of what shaped our identity up until this point. So glad to see him back. Anthony Davis, his defense on Nikola Jokic, his defense on Jamal Murray, and any of the Utah, or sorry, any of the Denver guards or wings who waltzed into the paint was extremely phenomenal. Same goes with tonight against Donovan Mitchell, um, Bojan Bogdanovich, Jeff Green, um, Joe Ingles. Anybody who came into the paint, Anthony Davis just swallowed up their shots or at the very least deterred them and forced them to take some wild-looking shots. And um, if there's any question as to who should be the lead vote-getter for Defensive Player of the Year thus far, look no further than Anthony the Brow Davis because he has been incredible. And keep in mind, he's been un- under the weather these last two games. He had to take an IV at halftime against the Denver Nuggets. So, yeah, what what an amazing performance by Anthony Davis. And tonight he had like an awesome all-around game, 9 for 11 from the field, 26 points, 3 blocks, only played 26 minutes. LeBron only played 29 minutes tonight and had 12 assists. Just a beautiful, beautiful statement sort of win for the Lakers. Um, Rajon Rondo has been amazing these last two games. Uh, Tonight, he had 14 points, 9 rebounds, 12 assists against Utah. He had 6 spectacular assists, many of which were lobs to Dwight Howard or Anthony Davis or LeBron James. Outside of Jared Dudley, he's also leading the team in 3-point shooting. So... I know Rondo and Kuzma, Kuzma and Rondo, continue to be these hot-button topics for Lakers fans, and I really don't know why. They have shown that in certain games, they provide value, and in some cases, actually are one of the main reasons why the Lakers win particular games. It's just not going to happen consistently. For Rondo, it's not going to happen consistently because he's well past his prime. For Kuzma, it's not going to happen consistently because, one, he continues to work his way back from his stress reaction injury. And then on top of it, he's had some bumps and bruises along the way, even since his return, that sort of interrupted his flow and rhythm. From when he got his eye gouged and he had to work through that and then working with playing with goggles to the recent ankle sprain that he experienced against the Wizards on Friday, to overall Kuzma just mentally trying to figure out where he fits onto this team. Because it's clear that at the end of the day, Kyle Kuzma's sort of a cherry on top of the Sunday here. The Lakers don't really need him to go all out. They can win with him scoring 13 points and taking less shots. I think he's averaging like six less shots than he was last year. And on top of that, like Frank Vogel, Rajon Rondo, they're not really finding him. They're not really calling plays for him. Obviously, the one thing Kuzma needs to improve on is his defense. But even in the last two or three games, I felt like he's been a little more physical. He's bodied up guys like Paul Millsap better. Tonight, obviously, he had uh, three blocks and four steals. So... It's going to take some time with Kuzma. He's going to be inconsistent. I, I I think we can't downplay how significant an injury that stress reaction was for him and how significant the mental block is for him in trying to figure out his role on a team with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And I don't know if some of you guys need to adjust your expectations, but for the longest while, I've been saying that whatever Kuzma can give us this season, I'll take. It does not need to be the 19-point Kuzma that we've been used to especially because that's not going to be his role necessarily. Do we hope that it bumps up more to like a 16-point 
average, yes. And I, I think that will come. His three-point shooting will return. Tonight, he was three of five from three, so that was nice. Uh, The free throw shooting was weird. Two of seven. We'll just chalk that up to mental issues with Kuz as usual. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I won't give him too much flack for that. But the incessant complaining over Rondo and Kuzma on the nightly is not something that I'm going to do on this podcast, not something that any of us are going to do on this podcast, and for good reason, because are these guys going to perform like this every single night? No, but I'm not going to continually point out their flaws, flaws that I already know about and that Lakers Twitter continually reminds me of every single second. Yes, I know Rondo doesn't play any defense. Yes, I know Kuzma is struggling from three. I know he's struggling with playing physical. I know all these things, but I'm choosing to focus on the positive glimpses that they've given us. And recently it's been more positive flashes than negative. And, um, These guys have helped win us games. For Kuzma, it was the Phoenix game. He helped in the Chicago comeback game. He helped, obviously, in the New Orleans comeback game. So it's not like Kuzma hasn't done anything. He's just been inconsistent. And we're going to have to contextualize his season because he's had his season interrupted, his rhythm interrupted by the multiple nicks and bruises that he's had to, that he's accumulated since coming back. And of course, once again, the stress reaction. Let's not downplay that because... A month and a half ago, during the start of October, he was not putting any weight on his foot. So I'll leave it at that with Rondo and Kuzma. You guys already know where I stand on that. Um, The one last thing on Rondo, I know a lot of people say that his defense is so bad that whatever he provides for us on the offense is negligible. And I just, that's not factually correct at all. Tonight he had 14 points and 12 assists. That's 38 points. There's no way Rajon Rondo gave up more than 38 points on the defensive end, okay? And and recently, it's been this way with Rondo, where he's producing at such a high level offensively, whether it's with scoring on his own and hitting threes or assisting for other guys, that whatever he gives up on the defensive end for those few plays where a guy just blows by him, we'll just live with that. We'll have to live with that. And I've been totally okay with it because, again, it's not like for 10 straight possessions, Rondo's man is blowing by him and they're scoring. Because even if Rondo's man blows by him, our team is so good defensively that they can cover up for Rondo's mistakes. And you also have to keep in mind the intangibles of the assists that Rondo is slinging to certain guys, most especially Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard. You don't think that them getting these power lobs from Rondo and getting these easy buckets are energizing them? Some of Rondo's assists are momentum shifters because they're so exciting. They're highlight plays, and that does something for our guys. That energizes them on the other end to play defense. That energizes them to clean up for Rondo's mistakes on the defensive end. So you also have to keep in mind just the intangible effects of what Rondo being out there with guys like Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Dwight Howard does for those guys. He, he needs to do a better job of finding Kyle Kuzma for sure, but just even picking up the slack for LeBron James and allowing LeBron James to take a breather and then also giving LeBron James some easy buckets on the other end. Rondo's been the only guy who can do that for LeBron James. You don't think LeBron James feels refreshed by having Rondo out there? So you can throw out the net ratings all you want with Rondo. It's going to look like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with him the entire season. But recently, he has been stellar. And hopefully out of every three games, we get two great Rondo games and we can live with the terrible third Rondo game that we have through those stretches. So just relax, 
Rajon Rondo and Kyle Kuzma will find value. We have a team that affords them the luxury of being inconsistent right now. And when it comes playoff time, these guys will play a key and pivotal role in the success of this team. And right now, they have been key and pivotal in making this team fun to watch. So that's the last thing I'll say on Rondo and Kuzma. Just relax, be patient. We have a fun team. Thank God for LeBron James and Anthony Davis crossing fingers on health. And uh, with that said, fittingly enough, our next segment, Allen comes back on. And we're going to talk about just how good this team is, how transcendent this team is, and what it's been like as a Lakers fan watching the progression of this team as it happens, and how that has sort of informed how we watch these games on the nightly and how it's changed how we view these games, how we view these players, and how we view this entire season as a fan. So please keep in mind that this next segment with Allen, we recorded before the Dallas Mavericks lost. So if you hear anything off or weird about the timeliness of some of the topics, that's the reason why, or that's why. But for the most part, everything should still be very, very relevant, especially after these last two wins. So Definitely check out my talk with Alan because it's very informative and I think it expresses a sentiment that probably a lot of you are feeling as well, but just haven't been able to put a finger on or articulate. So with that said, before I pitch it to our sponsors, just want to remind everyone to follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. And please, please, please rate and review us on iTunes. We are at 283 right now. We just need 17 five-star ratings to get to 400, which we are trying to get to before 2019 ends. And believe it or not, we are so close to that. We are, yeah, 27 days away from the end of 2019, which means we need about one five-star rating and review from now till the end of December. So please do us a huge favor and um, help us out in that respect on iTunes. All right, with that said, enough talking from me. Uh, Pitch it to our sponsors. And then when we return, you'll hear from me and Alan. You ever hear something and know the world will never be the same? Houston, we have liftoff. Well, wait until you hear this one. Half price coffee. That's right. Get into McDonald's weekdays before 10.30 a.m. for any size premium roast coffee or iced coffee. Both made with 100% Arabica beans, both half the price. Good is brewing. And that's the sound of your morning changing. Limited time only. May not be combined with any offer or combo meal at participating McDonald's. All right, so I'm here with Alan, and we're going to touch upon the general topic of just the progression of how we've come to watch this team this season as a fan, because we always talk about having to undergo a paradigm shift in terms of just, you know, coming to grips with the fact that all of a sudden we have not only a good team, not only a winning team, but a championship contending team, and We can think about it all we want, especially when we got Anthony Davis and LeBron James together, and we we can look at it on paper all we want, but it's an entirely different feeling when you actually go through this season and you see the wins rack up and it becomes a reality, and then all of a sudden there are expectations that are thrust upon this team, because believe it or not, and this is so silly to say or think about, but in the offseason, we were still getting lowballed a little bit, you know? People were still... I don't know if this is the right term, sandbagging us a little bit. Although I think sandbagging is a term you do for yourself. Regardless, we were not given the benefit of the doubt, and I guess rightfully so just because of the last season when LeBron James wasn't able to carry uh, the young Lakers team to the playoffs, even though 
last season was caveated and qualified by all these injuries. Um, people had major, major doubts about this team. But lo and behold, when you put two Hall of Fame players together whose games theoretically mesh very well with a big man and then a point forward, this is kind of what you get. And now we're in this reality where the Lakers are legitimately rolling. And I don't know about you, Alan, but I've seen the way that I view games, the way that I analyze games, and the way I think about the season and the team as a whole slowly shift. And it's only kind of made me cognizant of the fact that Oh, yeah, we haven't been here in a while. It's a familiar feeling because I remember, obviously, what the championship era days were like. We've been through, you know, two three-peats and three-peats in the sense that... Actually, three three-peats. No, wait. No, no, two three-peats. How long have you been alive? <laughs> <laughs> two three-peats in our generation and three-peats in terms of going to the finals three straight times. I know we did not win three in a row with the... Powell, Kobe, Odom era, but just in terms of the Lakers being a championship contending team, we've had two iterations where we've gone to the finals three straight times, but it's been a while, right? So it's taken some adjustment. And yeah, I, I just wanted to ask you if it it's sort of hit you the same way as well, where, and I'll give you an example, where these days, when we lose a game, it sucks in a different way. As opposed to the last six years, we were on pins and needles and on pins and needles for each and every game because we knew that we needed every game so tightly that we needed every win and any loss would cripple us, essentially. I, I, that's the feeling I had watching this team, especially last year because the margin for error was so small. Um, but this year, because we took advantage of the early schedule... And we talked about this in a previous podcast saying that it would give us a sort of buffer and almost be a preventative measure whenever we do hit those bumps and bruises down the road. That now it's like when we lose, I'm frustrated, but I'm frustrated because I know this team can do so much better. And this loss may be beneath themselves and maybe on this night we just had a mental lapse. But I'm not frustrated in the sense that, oh my gosh, our hopes are dashed and I, I, don't, I really don't know if this team is good. It's more in the sense that, dude, we should have won that game because we are this good. But overall, my sense is, but I, I have full confidence that this team will make the proper adjustments the next game and that we won't slide into this weird like three-game loss streak. You know what I mean? So I don't know if it's hit you in that way, but I've even caught myself like when we lost to the Toronto Raptors. It was frustrating as heck because we were rolling, we were on a seven-game win streak, and we lost, and I was like, this is stupid. But I quickly got over that because I was like, oh, but actually, we're going to make adjustments. This is a veteran group of guys. We are led by two of, you know, the smartest minds in basketball, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Rajon Rondo. These guys will figure it out. Frank Vogel is at the helm. It's fine. Like, I can brush it off easily. So has it hit you in, in any way that you've had to even adjust the way that you're viewing the game on a night-to-night -night basis and looking at it from like a long-term, bigger picture perspective? And then, I don't know if you agree with that example I gave or if you have examples uh, of your own, but but yeah, how, how are you feeling now that it's hit you that we have a legitimate championship contending team to watch on the nightly? Yeah, it's funny how you said uh, in the past you've, been on pins and needles, like right on the edge, watching every game, hoping that we'll win. <laughs> For me, it's been, it was kind of the opposite, actually. It was like, we are so bad sure. that it doesn't freaking matter if we win or lose. You know, like, of course you want them to win the game, but <clears throat> I went into each game with the expectation 
um, right, right. that we were going to lose and we were going to lose big. And uh, when we did lose the majority of those games, it was just like, shrug your shoulders, eh, like, it is what it is, right? Um, so, as it is now, it's so funny, because you're, you're like, every time we've lost so far, it's like, so that's two times, which is crazy. And the first one was the first game of the season, which was forever ago at this point. Um, when we lost to Toronto specifically, I do agree with you that it was frustrating because we should have won that game, right? There are so many things that we could have done differently. We could have brought more energy, things like that, because we're a team that's fully capable of winning every single night. It's not going to happen, but um, we have a very, very good chance to win every single game we play. So now that our expectations have shifted significantly, I think from an emotional standpoint, um, it sticks with you a lot longer when we don't play well. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past, every loss just sort of piled on top of each other and blended together, and it just felt like one very, very long game that was just going to result in an L. Now it's like I can recall specific things from that Toronto game that we did not do well, um, which is so crazy. You know, like that's what happens when anything improves in quality is the little pieces of dirt and the things that are messy stand out even more because everything else looks so good. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, that's been the shift for me. At the same time, like, losing to Toronto while it (laughs) kind of, like, ruined my night in a way, which is, again, how it used to be with Kobe Powell, with Kobe Shaq, like, oh, my God, the Lakers lose, like, my freaking day is ruined, and I'm going to feel it the next morning, too, like, oh, like, that sucks. Um, but it is easier to move on to the next one, like you said, and to kind of put it in the rearview mirror and then get super hyped up and excited for that next game to see, okay, so we lost last one. Let's see how strong they come out this next time because they should have a chip on their shoulder. That should be like a little, uh, like getting electrocuted, like, oh crap, like we gotta, we gotta play better than this, you know? Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, I don't, I've even looked at like the, the calendar and the schedule so many times. Like, is there any point at which this team is going to get into some sort of like rut or a losing streak? And the losing streak seems like it'll be two games in a row at most. Yeah. It's like those Phil Jackson days where it's like, when was the last time a Phil Jackson team lost three games in a row? Oh, that was back in, you know, whatever year. So, uh, it feels like that again. And, uh, it's familiar and everything, but at the same time, I don't know. For some reason, it's it's still a little surreal to me oh, that we're back in that space. Um, as familiar as it is, it just it feels different. You know, it's maybe because we're not like 15 and 16 years old anymore um, and we're 30 instead. And uh, it, it just provides like a different perspective on things because back then it's like we were invincible. You know, we were probably <laughs> so like cocky and arrogant and all the and insufferable and now uh i don't know it just it feels different so it'll be fun as the months go on to kind of capture what it is we're actually feeling and then how can we compare and contrast that to basically when we were kids right and i think you gave like two sides of the coin where the frustration is still i guess the same in terms of uh, degree but it's shifted into like a different pocket or plate. You know what I mean? And yeah, there are higher expectations. We expect more from this team. Like you mentioned, we put perspective and context to the last few years where if we lost, it's part of the process. Let's look at who did well that game to see any sort of progress from the individual young core. 
these days, it's not about that. It's just like, okay, how can we adjust and improve for the next game? And are these fixable things? And for the most part, 99% of the time, it's going to be, oh, these are fixable. And is it weird for you? This is a smaller question, but how weird is it to be confident in a team like this that you can trust that the next game they will actually come out and execute? What a foreign feeling, right? And that's <laughs> that's the thing. Like We trust and believe in Frank Vogel, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Rajon Rondo, Dwight Howard, Avery Bradley, Danny Green. You can go down the list. We trust in all of these guys' ability to adjust, adapt, talk to one another, scheme out what went wrong and how to fix it. And how refreshing is it to say that, that you could go down the line and keep listing guys and be like, oh, they for sure know how to counteract what just happened. Yeah, again, the last time we felt anything like that, um, I mean, I want to say it was with Kobe Powell, you know, because you do have Lamar Odom. Um, but then, like, honestly, after that, who are you thinking of? Like, you're thinking about Jordan Farmar, you're thinking about Sasha Vujicic. I, Andrew Bynum was, like, kind of a head case for the most part. So, I mean, he was good, but I guess you Fisher. know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, for sure, D. Fish. Um, but then, I don't know, like, that that team, it, it reminds me more of the Kobe Shaq era, That's right? True. Where That's it's true. like, oh, you got B. Shaw, you got Rick Fox, you got Robert Ori. Um, you have a rotation of backup bigs and Samaki Walker and, like, yeah. Slava Medvedenko and whatever. So, yeah. Uh, or Horace Grant, right? It was yes. just like a team of uh, adults in the room. And um, if anything, it reminds me more of that, which is so freaking crazy and ridiculous, the turnaround that we've experienced. Oh, that's insane. Can we stick on that point a little bit? Because initially yeah. I told you when we were outlining this, like, let's parallel this to the 2007-8 Lakers because also, you know, our audience, hmm. they probably resonate more with that era yeah so it's yeah. going to be harder to kind of pull it back to 2000 2001 because we were also super young back then but you're yeah. right when i'm looking at this and, and quickly i'll just go through my parallels for the 2007 mm-hmm. 8 lakers but um mm-hmm. obviously lebron equals kobe right yep anthony davis equals a souped up pal in in some senses anthony davis is like pal plus bynum combined um, yeah yeah and then for me this was kind of hard because some people have said that, you know, Kuzma's more like Lamar Odom, but I still don't think Kuzma's as established as Odom was. So I kind of like in Kuzma, if we're paralleling this back to 2007-8, to Andrew Bynum, because like a lesser version of Andrew Bynum who doesn't have like the freaky length and skill, right? But he's like, in the sense that both Kuzma and Bynum are still coming into their own, and we didn't necessarily need to put the world on their shoulders but if they came to play that was a nice you know icing on top of the cake or cherry on top and they can really affect the ceiling of the team Uh, so that's why I sort of parallel Kuzma to Andrew Bynum because one they're both young they're still trying to find their game they're both talented and skilled but at the end of the day the crux of the Lakers is not going to rest on him you know it's going to be Kobe and Powell LeBron right, and Anthony right. Davis. Like he's so. a very strong contributor exactly. and you need him. Yeah, yeah. And even though Andrew Bynum had like near all-star seasons within the regular season, if you remember, he got injured both years and had to come back in the playoffs and his actual playoff contributions weren't actually amazing or immense. So that's why I'm saying Kuzma equals Bynum. Uh, and then 
Dwight Howard, I would say maybe he's more of the Odom level impact off the bench. Not to say that their games are similar because they're not at all. Sure. No, but just good. in terms like of the that. impact, right? He gives totally, you that six-man totally. impact off the bench. If we're talking about Ariza and our test impact, I would say that's the collective of Avery Bradley and Danny Green. Right. Um, and then Farmar and Shannon Brown, that's Quinn Cook, Caruso, Troy Daniels, yeah. any combination of those guys, right? What would you say? Who would you say KCP <laughs> is? <laughs> Sasha? Yes. Sasha, Sasha. right? Because there are days where we love Sasha, of course. Like he's the machine, right? And then there are other days where it's like, I can't freaking stand this guy. <laughs> he was like a practice player. Remember when he's like, he shoots the lights at him practice? Yeah, but... yeah. he's an 11 a.m. player. Exactly. That that was yeah, the term, yeah. 11 a.m. player. Machine. <laughs> and we're like, this guy's just in it to date girls. I'm not saying KCP's in it for that reason, because he's got like a kid in the family. and Actually, he's married. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it was just like, that. why is this guy even here? For us right now, KCP is like, oh, he's just here because it's a little LeBron tax. Right. And uh, for Sasha, it was like, ah, this guy just wants to become, you know, famous and a star. And one out of every 10 games, he'll light it up, which is great. But uh, that's not good enough. Exactly. So Sasha equals tan five oh six eight seventeen nine. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so KCP is going to hit some clutch-ass free throws in the NBA Finals, right? That's what's going to happen. Let's hope Speaking so. I'm into all existence. for it. Hey, man, he loved the city. We got to love him back in that moment. Um, for sure. Mcgee is Turioff slash DJ Banga, <laughs> like a better version, a better version of those a guys. A lot better. <laughs> uh, and Jared Dudley equals... Josh Powell. Josh Powell, yeah, yeah. Josh Powell. I was going to say Andrew Morrison. I was like, who's that? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> oh I don't know who Adam Morrison is on this team. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I was going to say KCP, but in, in any case... Those are the 2007-8 parallels, but I like what you said, Alan, that this feels more like the 2000-2001 Lakers just because they assembled this group in one summer, but the guys that they assembled are all established vets who have literally won championships with other teams, right? Danny Green, Quinn Cook. I know DeMarcus Cousins isn't playing and he didn't win a championship, but he went to the finals with the Golden State Warriors and actually played in the finals. JaVale McGee won a chip, you know, so... All these guys are coming in as not only established veterans, but guys who have been to the big stage and know knows what it takes. And also, at the end of the day, knows that this is a long season and that kind of guides them and informs how they go about like the nightly game to game situations. And so, you know, you look at the 2000, 2001 year, Kobe Bryant, Derek Fisher, Rick Fox, uh, Horace Grant, Ron Harper, Robert Ori. Tyron Lue was the youngest guy on that team, right? For the most part? Yeah, I think so. Like Devin George at some point. (laughs) Yeah, maybe not the youngest, but in terms of like he was only like a third, fourth year player who needed to prove himself. And he did in that one finals against Allen Iverson. Like he was still in his infancy stages of his NBA career. So yeah, I totally dig that parallel of just a bunch of guys who, yes, this may be their first season together, but you put them all together, this collection of minds and experience and this is sort of what you're going to get like an even keeled team well it's funny an even keeled team in terms of like strategy but one that also gets along super well with each other and gets super lit on the sidelines they genuinely seem to love each other and the celebrations are non-stop i don't know if you saw the that that video of the LeBron dunk on Bielitsa from the bench perspective. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. JaVale McGee is, like, carrying Rondo like a baby, and Rondo's <laughs> flailing his legs in the air, and 
the bench was just they were super lit man and it's just so fun to like get behind a team like this and invest yourself fully remember in the summer we were like yeah i don't know we love the young guys and we don't know these guys yet it might take some time to really get invested but dude we're there already mm-hmm. like full way so yeah any other thoughts on just yeah the 2000 2001 parallel and just i guess the team and chemistry overall and how it's miraculously sort of fit like a perfect glove, like a Cinderella slipper. It's perfectly fit more than we could have even envisioned. And look, we understand this is the early part of the season, may not be a big enough sample size for most people. We are going to encounter some rocky bumps along the way. But for the most part, understanding the DNA of this team and the DNA of the individuals on this team, people with so much to prove, I'm still confident that when we hit those bumps that they'll be able to rebound. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There are definitely going to be people out there who are thinking to themselves right now, you guys are crazy comparing this team to one of the greatest teams of all time. And some would even argue within that stretch that the Lakers were the greatest team of all time when they only lost lost one playoff game to the Sixers, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, you guys are... You guys are way too high on your emotions right now to be even comping it in that way. But what I will say is, at least from my perspective, what can't be argued is that this team just feels right, right? Mm -hmm. And it feels good. And I think that the players understand that they do have something special here. Now, a lot of that is probably intangible, and we're not in the room, and we don't see it every single day ourselves. But when a group of essential strangers, like you said, right, uh, who are loosely connected just simply by being in the NBA together can come together this quickly and have such strong, you know, chemistry and uh, appear to be extremely cohesive and connected. I do think that they realize early on, we have to seize this opportunity in this moment. And whatever each person needs to do to sacrifice and to contribute to the greater goal here. Um, everybody better do it. <clears throat> you all better be on board and let's go that extra mile to make it happen. And when I say the extra mile, I mean, not to bring up like weird drama and stupid crap, but like all the KCP stuff like online, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you see Dwight posting on Instagram just about it's a KCP post, right? And then you have all the Lakers commenting on that post saying, yeah, like we got your back. Um, some people are going to say that's corny. Some people are going to say whatever they want about it, but I don't know, like in real life, if I posted about one of my friends just to like support him and then our entire crew like supported that as well, that would make anybody feel freaking good. Like I'd feel great. You know what I mean? So Jonathan, I expect an Instagram post just about (laughs) me tonight. Something really, really positive, you know, just to just to affirm me. Right. Um, Alan loved the city. Love him back. (laughs) (laughs) Like that stuff is genuine, you know, And, and we all know that 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 stuff affects everything that they do. Well, and it came from Dwight Howard of all people, right? So Yeah, yeah, and it's not fake cuz this guy's been through it. He knows it. <laughs> Clearly, yeah, he knows. you know, he really <laughs> does and yeah, like there's there's just something different about it. So, uh whether we end up making it to the NBA Finals and winning it, whether we are in the Western Conference Championship and maybe that's as far as this team goes, I don't know, but right now um, you know, I'm going to choose to just Enjoy watching this team play extremely well and, and make adjustments and uh, just seems like everybody genuinely loves each other on this team. Yeah. And, you know, we slowly started to see a little bit of 
the cracks starting to form with the Avery Bradley injury just when we were about to have like a full healthy group. But because of the buffer that we've given ourselves to start the season, it doesn't feel like anything could dramatically cripple this team outside of, you know, LeBron James going down or Anthony Davis going down. I mean, we've kind of seen the worst outside of those two with Kuzma being out for a while, Rondo being out for the start of the season. Now Avery Bradley's been out for a little bit, even though it's not that serious of an injury. But because of, I don't know, I don't want to call it the goodwill that we've culminated throughout the start of the season, I feel like we have a larger margin of error and a bigger buffer to withstand some of these you know, bumps and bruises. And now the biggest thing too, Alan, is, and we talked about this when we went through the early season schedule and how getting off to a hot start would sort of do that self-fulfilling prophecy sort of thing where we kind of just wear the clothes of a contending team. The Lakers are definitely doing that, but I, I fully think that they believe that they are this good. And I think other opposing teams, even the media believes, oh, shoot, the Lakers are for real. Obviously, we're on a collision course, it seems, with the Clippers. Paul George absolutely killing it. We'll see if they can ever get both their stars on the court at the same time. But at this point, it's like, let's just focus on ourselves. Enjoy the team we have right now, because this is such a unique moment, especially being able to follow this team from the ground level. You know, like being able to witness something special kind of happening as it happens in real time is really cool. Yeah, and being yeah. attuned We're to that. Super aware of it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And we don't know if it's going to pop off as a championship level team at the end of this. But just the journey right now is really cool. And I definitely don't want to take it for granted. Um, getting into the, the statistical ratings of these previous Lakers teams. It's funny because I'm looking at the... 2008-2009 Lakers and right now the Lakers have been hovering at around number one to number three in defensive rating for the season obviously that's been our calling card the entire year and then offense we've been hovering around like 10 or 13 10 through 13 in offensive rating the 2008-2009 Lakers probably the most well-balanced I've seen they had a offensive rating of 112.8 which was third in the league pretty good <laughs> and then yeah, right. a defensive rating of 104.7 which was sixth in the league so probably the most well balanced you know where it's like not as good as we are defensively this year but they kind of make up for it by being third in the league offensively um when we look to the 2000 2001 lakers and keep in mind this is regular season and not the playoffs uh the Kobe Shaq Lakers tended to be a totally different beast in the playoffs, obviously. And if you remember, 2000-2001 was the year when Kobe and Shaq had the most strife and turmoil with each other. We only finished that season with a 56, oh, I want to say only, but 56 and 26 <laughs> record. Oh my gosh. But the year before, obviously, we had we busted out with 67 wins. So in relation to that, only 56 wins. Regardless, that team had an offensive rating of 108.4, second in the league, um, and then a defensive rating of 104.8, which was actually only 21st in the league. So it's interesting how that team did in the regular season because I feel like the turmoil and strife and Kobe and Shaq butting heads, Kobe wanting to prove himself, and he even said in the media, yo, I got better, and I'm going to show I got better. You know, So I think that probably contributed to the fact that the Lakers weren't that great of a defensive team. But the team that I probably would want to parallel the Lakers to 
would be the year before that first year because the 1999-2000 Lakers, they finished the season with a 67-15 and record. I don't think that's what the Lakers will end up this year, end up with this year, but their defensive rating was 98.2. Guess where that wow. ranked in the league, Alan? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that's uh, I don't know. <laughs> first, it was it was yeah, first in the league. <laughs> yeah, probably probably first. That's a pretty good number. Yep. And then offensively, their offensive rating was 107.3, which was good for fifth in the league. Yeah. So. I don't know if we can reach that level of offensive rating, although the team still hasn't shot well from three yet for the most part, and Kuzma's still rounding into form. But if we can parallel this sort of blueprint, continuing to be like a top five defense while slowly bumping ourselves up within the top 10 offensively, I think that's a really good recipe for success. Wouldn't you agree? I totally agree. That recipe sounds delicious. Mm-mm-mm. Gumbo indeed. I, that's the first. That's the, that's the first thing that came into my mind. I literally don't even eat gumbo. I think. Oh, I like gumbo. It's like there's shrimp in there, right? Uh, can be. Myself? There could be like sausage or chicken. Okay. Oh yeah, well. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, Doesn't have to be I've, shellfish. I've had gumbo, and it is indeed delicious. With that said, the Lakers have the right recipe for the right gumbo, and they even got like a bread bowl. Do they eat gumbo with bread? Yeah, they do, right? You could. Yeah, yeah, you could. Yeah, so I have my Lakers team in a bread bowl with gumbo in the middle, like clam chowder. So, yummy goodness. And uh, yeah, I think we'll leave it but there. But not clam chowder from Bastin. None of that chatter. I am busting your chops about that chatter. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we have a good team. Uh, revel in it, soak in it. Oh, one more thing I wanted to add, Alan, that we're probably too far away from it, but I just want to make sure I point it out. But in terms of looking at the season on a larger scope from a more of a bird's eye view perspective now that we have a championship team, and I know we did this in our own sense when we followed a young core team because our bird's eye perspective in that sense was looking at the longer development of the young guys, right? The bird's eye view for a championship team now is how do we sustain this and think about the longevity of all of our guys, for the long run, you know, I know the Clippers bird's eye view of that is load management, but for the Lakers, I think it's even attuned me to just game to game scenarios and trying to remind myself not to get too frustrated from one play to the next, if that makes sense. Because I know fans get frustrated whenever they see Anthony Davis with the ball and he's just taking a jump shot. And then they're like, why aren't we just feeding this guy the ball every time in the post? And why isn't he just isolating and banging down low? He can do this every single time. Why isn't he doing this? And then LeBron James, why is he settling for three-point jump shots, three-point step-back jump shots? He should be ramming it into the paint and just doing that B elites to dunk over and over again. Why can't he do it? (laughs) Is he washed up, you know? I have seen it's my... not NBA 2K. Exactly. <laughs> but I've, I've seen myself wondering, oh, but we've seen very clearly LeBron James is turning it up at certain moments. And if he wanted to, he could. Why isn't he doing it? And I've even kind of taken a step back and realized, oh, yeah, these guys are smart. They're thinking about the longer view picture of this entire season. They don't want to burn themselves out. Even for Anthony Davis, technically, he has a mismatch every single time down the court, right? Unless we're talking about Embiid. So why isn't he just banging down low like a real post player instead of settling for jump shots? And I think I think now I'm just taking a longer 
view approach and understanding that, dude, Anthony Davis wants to preserve his body. This is the whole reason why he wanted to play right. next to a five, you know? So even, even us thinking about if you play pickup basketball at all, why don't you exactly. drive it every time? You know, why do you settle it's for exhausting? Jump shots? It's exhausting, <laughs> right? Like these guys are much more talented. They have like the crazy wingspans and bodies and stuff, but it's still relevant. I mean, that feeling and sentiment still resonates with them. You know, they don't want to be doing that every single time. And if they can get away with it, especially on a team like this, if they can get away a few with for a few possessions, get away with the fact that let me just settle for a jump shot and let me see if it goes in. That's the rest period, you know, and on a team like this, they're afforded the luxury of being able to do that, even though for fans, it frustrates us that we should be winning by 20 points right now. Why are we only up by eight? It's because we're settling for these silly jump shots. And it's like, hold on, take a step back. These silly little jump shots are being preserved so that when the playoffs come and Anthony Davis knows that we're only eight games away from winning the championship, he that's when he'll start banging down low every single time, you know? It's like adjusting your expectations even on that level. So do you have that feeling as well or are becoming more attuned to that to not get frustrated every single play and taking more of a zoom out look approach at things? Yeah, definitely. And the other thing is, you know, defenses have obviously adjusted in terms of how they play Anthony Davis defensively. So if we try to post it up every time, they're sending that double, right? And then he has to pass out of that. And there are a lot of times actually where offensively we need more off-ball player movement. We need more movement on the weak side. And when that's not there... um, it becomes really challenging, right, to get some sort of offensive flow. We've seen so many teams go to the zone. I feel like more Mm -hmm. times than I can freaking remember um, already within the first 12 games, we've seen zone defense over and over and over. Thankfully, we figured out as a team offensively how to attack that zone, get it in the middle, uh, drive, things like that. So um, you, you have to mix it up clearly because you need to keep the defense on their toes. If you are constantly doing the same thing over and over, uh, I don't care if it's the worst team in the league, they're going to try to do something differently against you. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, I I mean, I'm fine with Anthony Davis shooting jumpers. We all know that the shot hasn't been falling at a clip that he would like, but again, how many games did he miss at the end of last season? Uh, not just because of injury, but because he was sitting out. So, um, one month into the season, I think where we are at right now in terms of how we're balancing things is perfectly fine. At the end of the day, we are still winning <laughs> these games. We are 10 and 2, right? Um, so, it, it will be very interesting, though, from week to week to sort of track uh, how, how we game plan against different mm-hmm. teams from that point of view. Yeah. And, you know, for me, at the end of the day, it's self-preservation mode. This is a long journey. Uh, We can't sprint every game. And I know that when it matters the most, LeBron James will drive it into the lane. He will impose his strength and power on everybody like he did Bielitsa. But that time will come and that time is a long ways away from now, you know, so... Don't get too frustrated with LeBron James settling for step back threes, although the shot selection is frustrating at times, I will admit. And then don't get frustrated that Anthony Davis isn't banging down low each and every time, because like Alan said, sometimes it's because of the schematics of how the defense is playing us. Sometimes it's simply because he wants a breather and he just wants to take this jump shot instead of dribbling into the lane. You know, sometimes it's just as simple as that. Regardless, we have a really good team to root for. A really fun one that's so easy to get behind and so easy to get invested in and bunch of lovable guys and uh, 
It's fun. It's lit. Go Lakers. Go, go. Right, Alan? Go Lakers. Go, go. Go Lakers. Go, go. That sounds like a new (laughs) shirt. (laughs) No punctuation. (laughs) Nothing. It sounds like one of those shirts that you find in like China or like the Philippines. Like, go Lakers. Go, go. Okay. (laughs) With a picture of John Stamos. Thumbs up. It's like, why is John Stamos on this championship bus? (laughs) Why wouldn't he be? (laughs) True. And with that said, we will end this segment and say goodbye to everybody. Go Lakers, go, go. Go Lakers, go, go. ever hear something and know the world will never be the same? Houston, we have liftoff. Well, wait until you hear this one. Half price coffee. That's right. Get into McDonald's weekdays before 10.30 a.m. for any size premium roast coffee or iced coffee. Both made with 100% Arabica beans, both half the price. Good is brewing. And that's the sound of your morning changing. Limited time only. May not be combined with any offer or combo meal at participating McDonald's. Change is strong, and you can experience it at Gold's Gym. For a limited time only, join the most supportive and dedicated community in fitness for just $1. Get access to the latest cardio and strength equipment, the best group exercise classes, and expert personal trainers dedicated to your success. A stronger you is waiting at Gold's Gym today. Tap the banner now for a free pass. Offer ends February 29th. Valid with select new memberships at participating locations only. Commitment required. Annual fee and other restrictions may apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.